<clears throat> well, my name is, I need my notes. They're, they're elaborate, but they'll keep me on track. Um, my name is Rob Coons, and I am originally from Charleston, and uh, we are building a house and planting a church in the Browns Ferry community of Georgetown. And uh, we moved up here in 2019, um, October, and had Isaac, who is our sixth child and my fourth son, um, December 26th. And then um, shortly after that, it turned into 2020, and everybody knows what happened then. So we're still building the house, and uh, we hope to be finished very soon. Um, and if I have a tickle in my throat, it's because I've been sleeping in drywall dust for the past three weeks while we're sanding and painting and finishing walls. So I assure you I am not sick, but I do have a lot of uh, dust, particulates going on in, in my life right now. Um, I came here from St. Christopher Camp and Conference Center, and I was the chaplain to the staff and the director of the prayer center there. I did that for about five years, and um, this whole vision for a church plant actually came out of the ministry that I was doing at the prayer center. I did a healing service on Tuesdays at noon, and um, that was a very simple format. It was a little time of worship, um, what came to be known as an interactive homily, and you're about to experience that, so get ready. And... Um, we then did the Eucharist and then prayed for anyone who wanted to be prayed for. And it generally took about an hour and a half. And slowly, but very um, faithfully, the Lord began to establish a community through that prayer center and through that service. And I began to think, why is this limited? And I realized it was geography. Um, St. Christopher is way out on John's Island. It's a separate island, but you have to go through John's Island to get there. It's behind a gated community. And um, we began to pray about it and really felt like the Lord was calling us to try this model um, in a place where it was more accessible to people and certainly more accessible to families. Um, so we're going to do our service on Friday nights um, there are about 100 houses on the Black River that are right next to where our property is. And uh, we have a 15-acre farm that we are building a house on, and we're going to do what we're calling a farm church there on Friday nights. So that's a little bit about how I got here and what I'm doing. Um, for today, as we go through um, this interactive homily reflection of the, ser of the sermon, um, I'm, I want to talk about the gospel. I will be at Prince George serving there next week, and then I'll be back here for the three Sundays after that while John is on vacation. And during those three uh, Sundays, we will talk about that collect for purity that we just said together. So if you want to be thinking about what that might mean in terms of contributing to the conversation, please do. Um, but the interactive homily is basically, I know where I want to go, and I know where I want the conversation to go, but I look to you for your input and your insight. I realize at 8.30, with this crowd, that might be a little bit out of your comfort zone, 
but it does seem to bring um, revelation by the Holy Spirit working through the church, which is you all, into the scriptures. And so I'm going to pick up this gospel and I'm going to read it, um, a piece of it at least, and I'm going to ask you what you think it means, and we'll talk about it. Jesus said, I've come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That's not difficult, I don't think. And uh, a person's enemies will be of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. This is a hard thing. What is he talking about here? I mean, outside of the mother-in-law thing. What is he talking about here? Hmm? Hmm. No, that's right. I mean, that certainly is, is one of the many correct answers. Um, priorities, yes. What does that mean, priorities? What comes first. What comes first. Right. Loyalties is another good word, where your loyalties are, yeah. Other thoughts? We're in trouble, <laughs> We're in trouble. amen. <laughs> so we have uh, six, six children. Robert is about to turn 14 in July. As I said, Isaac just turned two, and they're basically two years apart. And so Robert, Lillian, Samuel, Mary Ellen, Thad, and Isaac, and so it's... Uh, four boys and two girls, and I, I love them to pieces. And um, I think, you know, what a blessing and how awesome it is to have children, how awesome it is to have parents that I'm in good relationship with and, and uh, that love me and I love them, and we share the fact that we love each other very openly and, and very often, and um, not without our difficulties, but that's typical of any relationship. But it is about priorities, and God has to come first. What would, I, what would I be fishing for if I were to say, um, we're looking for a big word in the Bible that is something that stands between you and your relationship with God? It's one of the Ten Commandments. Idols, Idols there it is. Jesus is throwing down the gauntlet with this statement on idols. Because idols are anything. Idols can be anything and everything. Idols can be a good thing in the wrong priority, in the wrong um, relationship, with the wrong um, status in our lives. So, we don't often think about the good thing of parents and children and those relationships of family being idols, but they certainly can. And I think that that is what Jesus is going after here, is that everything, everything has to be second to God or nothing else will work. That was Israel's problem, right? I mean, they, 
every time something new came up, they go running after it like it was the best thing. And God would say, wait, 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 wait. I'm right here. You've got me. What more do you need? I've given my promise to David, as we read in the psalm, that I will, I've given, I've covenanted with Abraham that his descendants would be as vast as the stars in the sky. God's made his promises to him and to us, and yet like them, we run after all kinds of other things, and they're not all sinful, awful, bad things. Children, parents, family, those kind of relationships, those are a blessing from God. But we have to keep them in the right perspective. What are other idols that are in our lives? Devices. Boy, that's a big one, isn't it? What's going on with so-and-so? What's the latest news? The last shoe to drop in, in the world around us, yeah. What are some comfort? Boy. <laughs> I was talking to somebody who's been sleeping on an air mattress since April. Yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, comfort is a, is a big idol. And um, we, we are very comfortable people, are we not? Um, we don't like, I mean... I just think about it because we are, um, we've had some of these August temperatures in June and uh, working in this house without air conditioning has uh, made me really grateful to go to work. Oh, by the way, I wait tables at Frank's to pay the bills and uh, it's been uh, making me very thankful to be able to go to work at Frank's in the air conditioning um, because comfort can be a big idol for us. But comfort is not just about air conditioning, is it, Patrick? No. What other ways might comfort be one? Money. Money, for sure. Do we have enough? Do we trust God with what we have to be able to give generously knowing that he cares for our needs more than he cares for the birds of the air and the lilies of the valley, but yet he, he knows exactly what their needs are and provides for them. Do we trust him that way financially? Not enough, not often. I, Lord knows I, I struggle with that sometimes too. They can certainly be Traditions can certainly be a blessing and, um, and a, a link and a connection to the past, but they, they also can be an obstacle to um, a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit, to a fresh move of what God is trying to do. Um, that's for sure. Traditions can become an idol. This is good. Y'all are doing well. What, what, what else you got as far as uh, idols of the day? Surely there's more. Possessions. I'm sorry? Possessions. Possessions. Stuff. Yeah. I think about all the people. I drive a 2003 uh, Toyota 4Runner that um, somebody ran into the front of at the bank. And, um, 
they were kind enough not to leave a note. <laughs> and uh, so it's got a, 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 a noticeable but not horrible dent in the front quarter panel. And um, I look at all these people with these shiny new cars, and I think, hmm, I don't really want one of those. But it, um, it definitely is something that people people can um, hold on to, people can put in front of their relationship with God. Think about it in those definitions. What do we put in front of our relationship with God? I've got one more big one that I'm fishing for, so think, think hard. How to, how to spend your time and pride, those are both really in line with what I'm going for, but even more general than that. Pride, my time, self, ourselves, I deserve this, right? Or I want this, or I need this. Any of those statements can actually be idolatrous statements because any of those statements can make us put whatever that need, want, desire, we can let that supplant and undermine and get in the way of our relationship with the Lord. That is probably my biggest idol in my life is myself, my uh, gimme wants is what we call it in the grocery store aisle. You know, they see all the stuff at the checkout aisle and it's the gimme wants. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I want, I want, I want, right? You got kids, you understand. If you don't watch it sometime in the grocery store and you'll see it. Um, but we all suffer from the gimme wants every now and again. Uh, we all suffer from um, that lack, I'll say it very clearly, that lack of contentment which Paul tells us um, godly contentment is great gain in his letter to Timothy I can't remember whether it's the first or second but I know it's in the letter to Timothy and um, that godly contentment with believing that God has provided and will provide what we need when we need it at just the right time that we need it it allows us to take a deep breath and relax. It allows us to trust him a little more fully. It allows us to um, open ourselves to what he may want to do in our lives because we recognize and acknowledge and even appreciate our dependence on him. But when our pride or our what was your word? Over here. Pro time, our pride, and our thinking that our time is our time. Um, when we begin to hold on to that, just like we would hold on to money and say, oh, I may not have enough of it, it, it really, it, it doesn't handcuff God, but it handcuffs our ability to be his vessel. It handcuffs our ability to be his agency. It restricts us because we're in the way of his plans. And so um, I'm sharing this reflection 
as much for me as for you because um, God is a God of miracles. His promises are um, certain. You can take them to the bank. And um, he cares for us more than we will ever know. And so I will um, conclude with just a, a little brief piece of um, our story, and um, we'll go on. But when we left for seminary in 2007, um, I went to Neshota House in Wisconsin because I wanted to learn how to do all of the high church Anglo-Catholic singing of the mass and all of that kind of stuff because I came from St. Michael's in Charleston where it was very traditional. Again, one of those historic foundational churches of the Diocese of South Carolina. Um, and I grew up there as an acolyte and <clears throat> doing all that, but we, we never did anything, quote unquote, fancy high church that way, not often at least. And um, I wanted to make sure I could do I was well-trained, cross-trained that way to be able to do the singing and to do the chanting and to do the incense if I needed to. And I haven't really had too much opportunity to do that, and I'm okay with that. Um, this is more my style anyway. But we left to go to Neshota House in 2007, and we were coming up on four years of infertility. And um, we left and... And I went to a retreat in October, and um, my first semester of seminary, and it was kind of like Curcio, but just in a, a sort of compressed, abbreviated form, if you know what Curcio is. And um, I was put in this small group with, no offense to the crowd here, but with this, I was 33, 32 years old, and... Um, put in this small group with a bunch of little ladies and I thought great what am I going to have in common with these ladies and it turns out that um, these ladies were all very active and very involved in prayer ministry and so during our small group time we decided that we would um, kind of offer some thoughts and reflections on the, the on the talk that we had just heard but we would really make it a priority to pray for one another and so Friday night we prayed for somebody and Saturday morning we prayed for somebody and Saturday afternoon there were, there were five of us and Saturday afternoon they looked at me and they said how can we pray for you and I'm thinking man my life is good I, I never thought I would go from being a professional waiter to being a wine salesman to being in training to be a priest in full service of God now I'm back as a waiter um, but that's beside the point the um, I said, I really don't need anything, um, but you can pray for my wife because we're having a hard time with not being able to have children, and she's really bummed out because we can't even adopt because we don't have any kind of income to qualify for anything and, and all of that, and, and it was all about, you know, Julie, and just, we all pray for Julie, and as they started praying for me um, and for Julie, um, this woman had this word of knowledge for me, and um, it had to do with you know, previous relationships before I was married and that kind of stuff. I'll, I'll go into more detail later, but the, the gist of it was, did you ever really cut yourself free from those earlier girlfriends? And I said, I, 
I don't think that I did. And um, it was not, I mean, there was no secret between me and Julie. It was just I had never really asked the Lord to separate me so that I could be totally devoted to her. And um, she prayed a really simple prayer, asking Jesus to go back in time and release me from those um, relationships. And I remember as she prayed, I saw Jesus in, um, it, it effectively in the living room of, of the apartments. I, I did not have a lot of girlfriends, so that was a bonus. But he was in, a, in the living room of these apartments with his back to me, and there was light in the corner but there was no light in the room. He was the light in the corner. And he was picking things up and putting things down. And as this happened, I began to feel this sort of breaking in my chest and this sort of release. And um, it happened very quickly. It was not a long prayer, but it, he went from, I'll say, room to room to room that were the different relationships of previous girlfriends. And when she was finished, and well, when Jesus was finished, I, I opened my eyes, and she said, how do you feel? I said, I feel amazing. She said, well, you've got your whole heart back now. And I said, i got to call Julie and tell her. And she said, you don't want to do that yet, honey. Just, you'll see her tomorrow. Tell her tomorrow. And uh, I remember coming home, and Julie opening the door, and I walked in, and I said, you're not going to believe this. I said, I didn't know that I didn't have my whole heart, but now I've got my whole heart. I'm ready to give it to you. And she looked at me like... You've been with those weirdos who speak in tongues and roll on the floor. And um, what happened? And so I was telling her this, and she's still skeptical, but she can, she can see that there is a real change that's happened. And um, we conceived Robert not long after that. And we told the Lord, again, part of trusting the Lord, we said, we'll take as many children as you want to give us. And so we knew we weren't finished um, when Lillian was born. And we were delighted and surprised to find out that Mary Ellen was coming. And when Thad was on the way, we said, wow, your, your abundance is great, Lord. Um, and then with Isaac, we said, Lord, are you sure? And um, as, as the Lord would have it, um, Julie in her early 40s with Isaac, um, or, you know, she had pregnant, post-pregnancy problems. And the doctor said, we can fix this. It's not an issue, but um, you shouldn't have any more children. We said, oh, thank God. <laughs> so, so that's um, just a little piece of how we ended up with six children. And, and it's a little piece of how um, we have trusted the Lord in um, a challenging way. And right now in this journey to building this house, and this is the hard part of me sharing this with you, is that we're in the middle of this testimony right now. And it's really hard to give a testimony in the middle of it. But it has been a stretch and a strain on every part of our lives to plant this church. But God is faithful God is full. He has everything that we need. And we just have to trust him. And this is not about me. This is about him and what he's able to do. So where are the places in your life that you're holding back 
for whatever reason, for whatever fear, for whatever anxiety, where are the places in your life that you're holding back from trusting God more fully? And take this time today, whenever the Holy Spirit speaks to you about it, to say, Lord, I'm going to give you this idol so that you can do more with me. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are faithful. Thank you that you are abounding in steadfast love for us. And that even your loving kindness, as the psalmist says, that your loving kindness is better than life. So Lord, um, open our hearts and show us the things in our lives that you want us to um, yield to you so that you can be more fully present to us. Come Holy Spirit and speak to our hearts and to our minds and to our lives and make us more and more like Jesus. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.